Hello, everyone. Once again, we are back. We are the Collar and Elbow Wrestling Podcast. I am your esteemed co-host, Kenny Oak, joined with flanking me over to my whatever. I don't understand this camera thing. You're bad at pointing of all things. Not good. I'm not good at it. But Chris, Chris Harris. <sighs> You're here with me as always. I love having you by my side. You're back at it again. How are you doing today? Your intro gets worse every time. You drag it out. You don't know where to point. <laughs> You're all over scatterbrained. I'm still getting used to the. There we look at that. There you go. Now, now I'm right there. Boom. I am literally next to you in the cyber world. Not but I wish you were physically Our next shows to me. Would be better, as would the quality of the product that we're putting out. But. That's not the case. I think course. the product's pretty good. It's pretty Maybe. amazing. Bubs, I'm yeah. good, though. I just watched good, good, for the good. second time in three days SummerSlam 2002. So I'm on a high right now. Oh, and it's so good. It's hard to come down from. It is. So I'm living life. Bubs, how are you? Bubs, I'm doing really good. Uh, you may not be able to tell because I'm wearing my glasses, but I did just get contacts for the first time. In my life, and that's a struggle, especially for an older man. Older man, so what for is an, for an older man that? Like yourself, you what know, does that a, mean? Well, it's hard to we're hear. The, I understand you're not we're a the young same age of the way you're, you're older than me. You're, you're, so it's fine, Bubs. You could have got him when you were twenty. You didn't. You could have got him when you were twenty-five. You didn't. I also could have got laser eye surgery done when you I was didn't. still in the military, but you didn't. So a lot of. It, a lot of could'ves, a lot of didn'ts, and here we are. You're an, okay, you're an idiot. Anyway, moving on, we are, yes, we are bringing back probably one of our favorite episodes that we do, other than WrestleTalk 101. We are doing our, the thing we started with. We did. Which is the paper review, where we go back and watch classic WWE, WCW, ECW pay-per-views and give it a fresh perspective in you know the year 2018 now it was 2016 when we started this thing i know we've been we've been doing this for a while man but this week it is as you've already mentioned SummerSlam 2002 which is i i don't think it can be argued but against but SummerSlam 2002 in my opinion is the best SummerSlam of all time SummerSlam 2002 is the yeah. best SummerSlam of all time we mm. got some plugs earlier and last week That's... a little bit about how 1988 was um, <laughs> one of the better ones 91 88 huh yeah 91 was also a, specifically a good year. that year yeah um, 91 was good. That was a good one. The, yeah, there, um, some good, there are some good things, but this one stands so far alone. Anything else, mostly because of the um, the people on the card and how good every single one of them was. 15 of 18 world champions. So ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. That is that is amazing to think about. Just the depth of the roster at that time, and all these guys were coming up. At the time, this this was kind of the start of the vaunted SmackDown Six. This mm -hmm. was this was the first pay per view after the brand split, the first brand split, the original. So 
you saw a lot of that dynamic here uh, on this pay-per-view. You had the split commentary teams. You had JR and The King, which, you know, many people consider the best Classic. duo. Uh, you also had Michael Cole and Taz, which in my opinion is... Very good. Very good. Probably the most underrated commentary team there's ever been. I don't think they get enough credit. Uh, this was when Michael Cole was really at his best uh, on this the commentary was desk. Michael Cole, yes. yes. Him and Taz had a great kind of uh, dynamic with each other. And, and Taz, this was before he started going like nuts. And, and <laughs> yeah, he, he got progressively worse as his time on the booth went on. But he was at his best. Michael Cole, this was really good. Michael Cole, and I mean, you had Jr. and King, and I, some of these matches, especially the Triple H Shawn Michaels match, showed why those two were, are considered one of the best duos of all time. But this SummerSlam was... 2002, I mean, initial thoughts like uh, go, going back into to twelve year old us, you know, what were your thoughts on this pay per view? Back when it happened, this was as I watched it again, pulling up like and seeing the whole card and seeing some stuff that was occurring storyline wise. This was like right in the good part of the brand split. I mean, especially rivalry between Stephanie and Bischoff. A weird like tension thing going on there. Tension they had right, and that there was such good stuff going on. This was early. This was right before SmackDown decided decided to say, you know what, we're going to be one of the best brands ever. Or best yeah. time periods ever for a ever. brand because they took it and they ran with it. SmackDown Six happens. We get a lot of, a lot of good stuff that goes on here, and then we get, we get SummerSlam. It's supposed to be the second best card of the year, and this one certainly was. But it's packed full of SmackDowns and Raws, absolute best. Yes, every match on here is watchable TV, and. It's not something we get all the time anymore. It's not something that you can tune in and say, you know what, SmackDown or SummerSlam is going to be great because SmackDown is going to put on, going to put their best stuff up there, and Raw is going to put their best stuff up there. It's it's so hit and miss now. SmackDown's rather consistent, but we only get you know top card stuff from Raw now, and even that at these major pay per views, it's it's nothing like it used to be. And I hate to say I don't like to compare eras. It's hard to say that 2018 should be as good as 2002 or. Or they should be on the same playing field or anything like that because the the athletes are different. But Bubs, this everyone on here is an absolute star, or was going to be, or had the potential to be, or at least was in some involved in something like a Lance Storm here with the un-American gimmick that right. was big boo. It was over. Stuff. It was over us heels. Oh, absolutely. So I don't know. Like I really loved it, and it got me to the point where I'm like, yeah. Best SummerSlam ever. It, it was watching it in retrospect really gives me that uh, perspective on it. But going back and, and remembering kind of what I remember of the build to it and the aftermath of it, I was extremely excited. And we've gone over this hundreds of times. Shawn Michaels, is, his return. His big return from his four-year absence after the back injury. I was I was so excited for this, Bubs. I was a huge Shawn Michaels fan. Um, him coming back, I I couldn't have been hotter for it. Mm-hmm. And the match itself blew out expectations. And the aftermath of the match 
you know, made you come back for more. And we'll get into that later on. But also, I remember vividly my biggest memory of this card when I was when it was happening. The build up to it were, were the training videos of The Rock and Brock Lesnar. You know, it really, mm-hmm. really showed kind of a realism. Like, hey, pure this, athletes, yeah, pure athletes. One one guy's a Division One football stud with the University of Miami. The other guy was a four-time All-American, two-time national champion in college wrestling. And and these hype packages, you know, showed that the, these are athletes. The guys mm-hmm. doing this are pure athletes. And you want to talk about pure athletes. The show started with maybe two of the best athletes mm-hmm. to ever do it. And so that's just – that's what I remember from – the build when it was happening. Yeah. The only things that I can vividly remember was I remember the King of the Ring. I remember Brock winning King of the Ring before this. Okay. So that happened. And I do remember the reason I mentioned the un-American gimmick was because this was still only half half a year maybe or a little bit more, uh, maybe creeping up to a year actually after uh, 9-11 happened. So anything yes. anti-American was super boo worthy and, and especially in New York and kind of yeah right especially in something like that so and it was also kind of you know I wouldn't say popular even outside of WWE to do anything un-American at this point because it's you know you're dredging on some tough ground there and especially to have the un-Americans go over here is a is a crazy thing to happen but that I remember and then Bubs Shawn Michaels and Triple H I remember the build. I remember ah, him a, coming back. I remember Triple H's turn. Oh, the turn was the yes. Turn I forgot was, all of yes. That that I remember, and then oh. I didn't watch SummerSlam live then, but I did watch it a week later on like a where you rebuy it. For like yeah, a for price for like half the price. Yeah, like I twenty bucks. It. You get Me the. And some friends did it the next weekend because we pulled money and we were children because we didn't know course. what we were doing. But uh, outside of that, we were little teenagers. You know? Yeah. It's it was so long ago that I don't remember all the specifics, but um, after pulling it back up, from top to bottom, loved everything about it, and especially the leadoff. I texted you immediately. I said, "Bubs, this leadoff match, this is how." As I was do. watching it the first time, I was sending you text after text like, about each match. Like, I, I can't believe this match starts. Yeah. I can't believe we get this match. And then oh my god! I can't this? believe oh this god. match. It's like from top to bottom, the card was just stacked. There was no match where you were like, "Okay, skip." I could skip this one. Right. Even even the most skippable match was the Undertaker versus Test, and that it's the Undertaker. You're not going to skip that, right? So this from top to bottom, nothing dragged on, nothing went too long. Uh, everything fell into place, and by the end of it, you were like, it's, "There, there has to be more." Like, please give me, <laughs> give me more of this card. It's so good. It can't end. Oh, and the crowd. I can't. Tell you New York crowd, Long Island. I cannot express enough how fantastic this crowd was from start to finish. Because a lot of times it's not talked about enough, but the crowd makes the show. And that that's why the Raw after WrestleMania is such a big deal. And now they make such a big deal about it. But this was a a great crowd. And what I mean by that is they cheered who, who was supposed to be cheered. They booed who was supposed to be booed. And they were they were live and hot for everything. And because of that... It, everything, too. 
right 100%, and because of that, it got you invested into it. Now, a lot of that has to do with there was a lot of good stuff happening during this time, but also around this time, the crowd was still... Kayfabe was almost completely dead by this point, but there was still kayfabe there, and so the crowd bought into it. And you had the right stars there to keep the crowd bought into it. It's not something we see really anymore, and crowds even turning on people and wrestlers at pay-per-views now and going doing their own stuff, hijacking shows. That wasn't a thing at this point, so that's why something like this is so memorable where you can you can wait for somebody's music to hit and then the crowd pop is just so loud and then them counting out the three counts and you know the the o's for all the kickouts and all that stuff is so much more live than than what we have now cuz we're so spoiled now to to knowing everything kvape's completely gone we know and how I matches hate that work I, I, hate that. I hate that i know everything that's going to happen i hate sitting there going oh he's going to go over because of this or mm-hmm. oh this guy's you know he's not going to get pushed so you know what's the point and I, I hate feeling that way. That's why sometimes I'll go into this mode where I'll delete all my kind of app. I'll delete Bleacher Report and all these other apps that give you breakdowns of everything. Because then it's like, what's the point of watching when I can just read the read the breakdown later on? Or read the spoiler before it even happens. Exactly. So this point in time, and this was the best best time in wrestling this 98 through 2002 2003 time frame was uh one of the best i guess best time frames in wrestling where the crowd was at its peak mm-hmm. so yeah that's just made the show so good and i i can't wait but let's you know when, whenever you're ready i'm ready to dive into, into this it thing. because they 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 jump right into it we get a quick little nice pyro with the nice SummerSlam stage set up and then we get Kurt Angle's music yeah, and this set it was, up, this was early stages where everyone was now into the you suck edition of his entrance music thank you the edge <laughs> they all I mean Kurt Angle was becoming so over though that even though he was booed they cheered everything he did in the ring because it looks so yes. good so this was really the the ground level of what that becomes later 2002 through 2006 7 time frame for Kurt Angle and you're right bubs we get Rey Mysterio and him starting off a card Rey's pay-per-view debut right it is yes it was his first uh, he debuted just like four months before this or something like that a couple months before this in a match uh, against uh, Chavo on Smackdown mm-hmm. and uh, yeah this was his big pay-per-view debut I loved it, and Kurt lets him get get every bit of work that he can possibly get in. All we see, all of Rey Mysterio's stuff, and amazing. What about the see. start to the match, Bubs? You know, Rey Mysterio's music hits, and Kurt's just we're all just Rey. waiting. Where is he? And then he's he's right behind him with and does an amazing, uh, <laughs> just it's like a oh, Hurricane Rana. Yes, from behind him, he taps him on the head. Hurricane Ronis his ass forward, and before you know it, we're off and rolling, and Ray's getting his stuff in. And and, and Kurt was that kind of athlete. That's how you start a pay-per-view, Bubs. That's oh, how you start a show. You The crowd's hot. and get you get into it. I'm ready. you got to yes. get me going. And, and Kurt Angle's the type of athlete that he can keep up with Ray Mysterio at this time. Right. You know, Ray Mysterio was quick, high-flying, and Kurt Angle can, can keep up with the speed and can use kind of his power to ground Rey Mysterio and tell that story of right. the the stronger P 
pure wrestler versus the high-flying cruiserweight right. uh, at the time. They were definitely building Mysterio as a cruiserweight. They call him a cruiserweight a few times. Like, wow, I can't believe this cruiserweight's, you know, keeping up with Kurt Angle like this, which I, I didn't like mm-hmm. that part of the, the commentary. But they were about to start building this cruiserweight division, so I understand you know, they wanted to make Rey Mysterio a centerpiece of that, but yeah. man, for him to for him to get like you said, for, for Kurt to give him the offense that that he did, that was that did a, a world of wonders for Rey Mysterio at the start of his career. And I love this stuff when they were working in the ring, and it's not too long of a match. It goes something like ten minutes, which a lot of the ma- uh, matches did on the card. Kurt uses Ray's speed and high flying against him. Kurt's an amazing counter wrestler, yes. so he can use, you know, weight transfer and he can use the speed that uh, Mysterio creates with his own offense against him, and you know, putting him into power slams. And he does, you know, of course, German suplexes and all kinds of stuff. A little bit of clashing of styles, but Kurt's still very quick, very fast with what he does. So he's going to keep up with, with Ray. But this match was so well put together. There's a little bit sloppy, only a couple pieces of that missed. Just a little bit. But for eight, probably eight of the ten minutes, you're sitting there watching like this is great back and forth wrestling with both of them getting their stuff in. And it definitely set Rey Mysterio up for the future because, you know, Kurt should go over here as he he did. Yes. Uh, He's he's a former world champion. He's a future world champion. He's a main eventer, so it it didn't do anything to hurt Rey Mysterio to lose here. Yes, it was his big pay-per-view debut. Mm -hmm. A lot of times they, you know, especially nowadays, they put, they would put Rey Mysterio up against a, you know, a jobber of sorts. You know, maybe if they want that big versus little, you know, they they would put Rey Mysterio against like a Titus, you Mm -hmm. know, nowadays would be that pay-per-view debut, but to have him debut against a main event level talent like Kurt Angle and to give him the offense that he got, it it did wonders for Rey Mysterio, and I don't think the loss hurt him at all. Yeah, I, I loved it, and I'm not sure how far after this. Kurt stays within that upper card scene throughout all of his time here in WWE, and for him to lead off a, a match like this at a SummerSlam... But to put on such a great opening match, I mean, it kind of extends Kurt Angle's ability to do anything you want him to do. He can lead off a card, he can go in the middle of the card, he can be at the end of the card, all kinds of stuff. He wins by submission, loved it. The ankle lock had to be made look strong because he ends up tapping out everybody in his career. Oh, absolutely. But he also, he did a good job of working Rey Mysterio's lower body the entire match. Had him in a half half Boston Crab for a while, just kept kind of... Uh, trying to yeah be methodical, you know, pick apart body parts, you know, old school wrestling, uh, yeah. good storytelling is what that is, and so when Mysterio does tap, you're like, okay, I mean, he's been worked the entire match. Yeah, he should there. tap. <laughs> and and what led to the finish was one of the few kind of like sloppy moments where they they had a good idea in mind for uh, the finish where Rey Mysterio is going to go for her Karana. But Kurt was going to grab him, grab his yeah. leg on the way down. But Rey Mysterio kind of just slipped. But they they played it off well. They like, fixed it quick. They did, and it, it was a solid match. I mean, this is about a as good of an opening match as I've ever seen for a pay per view. Yeah, this is certainly what you want to get exactly to to lead us off with to get us through the rest of the card. And the card really never slows down. I wouldn't say it maintains the pace of this match because that that's kind of unreasonable to expect with Kurt and Ray 
But then we move on, Bubs, and you get to see 53-year-old, I think he is Two. at this 52. point. 52. Okay. 52-year-old Ric Flair and your boy, Woo! Y2J. Why is he my boy? He's he should be everybody's sure boy. He's all of our boys. He's the he always try to throw people onto You're right. I'm onto sorry. Me. We like have goat, goat versus goat here. Yes, the yeah, goat. Go. That sounds a little bit better. That is. In a little match, a little personal match, you know, heel versus face. Ric Flair at this point in his career, nothing more than a mid-card face is really all he was doing. He was never going to go above or below yeah. that anymore. Uh, he does go heel after the- this a little bit as well. He, of course, we've talked at lengths about uh, the stable that him and Triple H create, right? So it's a mystery you know, sometimes. Yeah, but <laughs> but the, really, the the main thing I took away from this match was kind of the the offense of Rick became very one dimensional. Hmm. Uh, he's very chop. chop heavy. Just all chops. Chop, all chops. I think maybe he threw like two punches the entire match, but the rest of it were just chops. But the crowd ate it up. Because you can woo after every chop. Everyone. So it didn't really hinder the match at all. Um, you had Jericho put it, putting him in a figure four. And the yeah. best moment of the match was uh, he's in the figure four. He's writhing in pain. And, and Ric Flair's trying to reach for the rope that's, that's, that's right there. It's, he, it's, he's, it's that far from his hand, and he's got so much room to go. And he goes for the middle rope. <laughs> Um, it's just, it's one of those flare being flare kind of moments. Um, I don't know if he knew he was that close to the, to the rope. He may have been senile already at this point in his career. So it's pretty sure, but this was a good match. It it had, had a little bit of everything. It wasn't, it was never going to be a, you know, five-star affair with those two. Um, especially with, with an aged Rick. Uh, but it it had a little bit of everything. Both guys got their offense in, and that's right. kind of the theme of the night: is everyone getting their offense in? Get your best stuff out there. Exactly. On a pay per view, you're supposed to have evenly matched, you know, opponents, you know, going at it, and everyone, both guys get get their stuff in, and you know, one guy comes on comes out on top, and surprising. Well, depending on how you feel at this time it could be surprising or it's like okay it's a legend it's rick flair of course he gets the win sure. but uh, i thought it was a little surprising that you know he got jericho to tap there but i didn't matter either way it was a good match and i think both guys benefited from it yeah this is only one of two matches that i thought could have or should have gone the other way it's easy to to say rick flair can get the the win here I do like him winning by figure four, though. That yes. is a that's a great thing, because Flair, whether he's heel or face, he's always going to cheat. That's him. He's going to do dirty stuff. But to see him not have to use that to get the actual win to actually make Jericho tap, when Jericho is you know working this, he's the king of the world gimmick type thing that he was going with as a dirty heel, and I don't know. You'd think that Jericho's going to continue to get get through the rise because he'd already been um, undisputed champion. At right. this point, right? So, you know, why should he be slipping down by losing major matches at SummerSlam? And he was like that. He was a a big stable staple in the mid card at this point and for the next uh half decade. Yeah. But uh I liked it. It was a good good enough match to watch. I'll watch anything Ric Flair. Ninety percent of his match work was chops though. 
yes. which I'm fine with. Jericho's chest was ruined. Good submission stuff, <laughs> and it's it's rare. It, it's it did really become rare in his in Rick's um, WWE career when he finally when he came over from WCW to actually see him win a match by figure four. Doesn't happen a lot, right? So, and and he, he didn't even win a whole lot. Honestly, he he lost a hell of a lot more than he, he ever didn't. won. So I love that that happened there. It's a good uh, a good thing to see every now and then to see the one of the most I guess successful moves and obviously most successful wrestlers to actually get decorated a is a like good that. word. That's a great word to use. But this this was a, a good match, uh, a notch above serviceable. I yep. think it was. You know, Chris Jericho and Ric Flair, you can't go wrong with either of those two. Uh, But I think the next match, though, definitely blew that match out of the water. And and we switch over to SmackDown here. Yeah. Where uh, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit had just recently been switched over to SmackDown. Kind of, this is where the whole SmackDown 6 started, was with these guys. Uh, So you had Eddie Guerrero going up against Edge in a feud where Eddie Guerrero is jealous of Edge's sex appeal and, you know, his his placing within the company. So that was kind of the catalyst to the feud. And th- that's not even the worst uh, feud that Edge had been a part of, worst reason for Edge to feud with someone. Because remember, he feuded with Booker T over a shampoo commercial, like a Japanese shampoo <laughs> commercial. <laughs> that, so... Not the worst reason to feud uh, right. for Eddie Guerrero to be jealous of Edge's sex appeal, but you know you have two of the best you know in ring workers. You know, it, it you can't go. Both of these guys are so good, Bubs. Like I'm at a loss for words for just the importance of both of these guys in the future of the company. Not at this point. Edge has been a single star for about a year. Or more right, at this on, point. Yeah, he's on his rise right here. Yeah, King of the Ring. His young career. He had already won King of the Ring. He beat Kurt Angle in a feud that led to a hair versus hair match. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things. I, we've talked about this before with hair versus hair matches. You always know who it's going to be that loses. Like, there was no way Kurt Angle was going to beat Edge in a hair versus hair match. But both of these guys, future world champions, future Edge and 11 time world champion. Eddie, you know, winning the one time, but who knows, you know, if things are different in the future, how many more he may have won. But w- what do you think about this match, Bubs? This, this feud was almost pointless. They just had to create a feud, heel versus face, to get them both onto the card. So I could care less really what the story was trying to tell. And I do remember something about Eddie was claiming that he'd never been hit or never been beat with the spear. Yes, he had never like he that. had never been speared. Never I been think. speared, right? It was something to that effect. And in a match like this where Edge is just on this rise in a SummerSlam, I you know, he has the win. I'm glad he won this one. I wouldn't have liked it if Eddie had, had gone over in this one. The match was, was very nice though. And Edge's Impaler DDT is something that I think that they should have protected a lot more throughout his career because he, he used it a lot when he was in the brood in the late 90s and yes. things like that before the education the right before the spear became uh, a, a more protected thing I guess but um because the crowd was super into it and I think they expected Eddie to stay down when he got hit by <laughs> it I just that just ran through my head because I remember using that move as like a finisher on all the creative wrestlers and stuff cause I just it was a, it was a good finisher and that looked way better than Edge's spear Ed, Edge 
Yeah. Never had the best looking spear. Blah. And so, you know, the execution was was a really cool move. And like you said, it's something that, you know, in video games it looked great. Yeah. But you know, this this match from these guys had a long kind of story rivalry with each other. Had a lot of good matches together. Uh, Eddie, or you know, Eddie, Eddie. Ooh, excuse me. Which one? Yeah, Eddie Guerrero was a, you know, notoriously kind of hard kind of hitter. And, you know, kind of led to some of Edge's neck troubles. I remember one match that they had, Eddie hit this sunset flip powerbomb mm. on Edge that just, oh, it looked brutal in that. But these, these two never put on a bad match together. And because of that, this match was, you know, surprise, surprise, a really good match. I really liked it. It was fun. We got to see, again, another version like we're going to hear throughout all of this is everyone gets their work in. We get to see some frog splashes or at least attempts at the frog splash from from Eddie. And a little bit of a longer one. This was longer than the Kurt one, I think, the match itself. It didn't necessarily drag on. but um, What about that uh, frog splash? Because Eddie was working the, the arm and shoulder of Edge, and Edge sold it really well. And then that frog splash on the arm um, was uh, that was a fun little sto- bit of storytelling there. Right. That was, the whole selling of the shoulder thing was the best part of the match for sure. Because as a heel, that's something you want to see done is isolation of a body part, and they chose the shoulder in this instance. And even for him to hit the a frog splash on Edge's outstretched arm, kind of basically what yeah. it became, and then Edge was supposed to sell it a little bit better. I think he had he sold that. A little better as he hit it it would have gotten the crowd into it more but it was it's such a good thing and then you see edge you know he keeps fighting through it he's getting he's getting beat up and they're isolating a body part but he keeps fighting and he's got all this perseverance and the the announcers were just talking him up yes because the more eddie he's the future it, loves. i know the more eddie went against it the more edge recovered and you know at the end he's still holding it he's holding it down but man perseverance from this young kid he even right hits the here. spear with the bad arm which i thought was which is probably just because that's the his main that's arm that he, he does it yeah yeah so i think if he uses the other arm for the spear and gets the win that way would have would have been better um i think if he hits the spear with the bad arm like he did and eddie kicks out because it was mm. hit with the uh with the bad arm i think that would have been a fun little bit that's of storytelling story right to add there. in there uh, but all in all, it was a good match, good to great match, mm-hmm. and man, just that's the whole theme of this show was just that each match was was enthralling, great storytelling throughout the entire show, mm-hmm. and e- even the mid card because nowadays everything's so form- formulaic, you know, you don't get a lot of good storytelling like that now, and that's why the crowd was so into it, uh, and you had the announcers, you know. And the announcers are able to sell it because the announcers are also telling the story for the people that aren't there. So the storytelling in the ring is for the people that are in the audience. And then the announcers are the ones telling the story to us watching it. And, you know, this era, that was everything just kind of came together. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the Un-Americans a little bit, Bubs, as we move on. Okay. So and what I mean is so good little group, right? Christian, an interesting Storm, group. I mean, uh, test. I think William Regal maybe at some point. 
I don't know if that came to I think fruition. That's maybe maybe in the maybe, future. I don't I'm know. Sure. Canadian-based, right, un-Americans for the most part. Yes. And I think that if they really wanted this to get off the ground a little bit more, you got to put somebody in it who's a little more relevant than a mid-carder. Because <laughs> Test was... Test had the potential string always attached to him, but he was never above that. No, he never he Christian, never worked past that. Christian eventually goes on to higher things, you know, years down the road. Lance but not at this never time. Anything Edge was than, always the Edge was yeah. always the the guy of that group, and Lance Storm, you know, labeled as boring and sure. rightfully so. Technical master, but leave him in the mid card, and that's where he was. So, I think that there was a lot more potential that this could have had, especially as an extremely heel character gimmick that they could have added somebody that was up in that, you know, towards the upper card or something just to I'm give cool it more bubs. I I don't know. I had no name Jericho? Really ready. I'm just I thinking mean, oh, that's almost too much. But he's think. also in the mid cards at this point. Right. So that but doesn't Chris Jericho. True. I don't know. As I was listening to their promo when they were cutting it backstage, the three of them, I'm like, you know, I want to pay attention to these words, but you're Christian Lance Storm and Test. I like all you guys. You're fun to watch. You're a great technician, Lance Storm, but I don't want to hear you cut a promo. No. And and, and Christian know. was, you know, he's decorated. Multi-time tag team champion. Never the best on the mic. No. You know, Edge was always way better on the mic than Christian. Um, and, and that's that's the the poor thing about Christian is that he was always in that shadow, in that Edge shadow. Yeah. You know, he was always going to be compared to Edge. And because of that, you know, we always see his flaws a lot more than we would someone else because it's, okay, he just cut this promo, but if Edge cut this promo, that would be a little better. Or, you know, that was an okay match, but imagine if Edge was in that match instead of Christian. So it it kind of sucks for him because because his entire career was predicated on that except for his run in TNA. So I, I get what you're saying, but it's kind of because we did that to him. Exactly. Had he not had Edge by his side, he would have never had a career. But the fact that he had Edge next to him That's a good point. kind of gave him the career that he had. And Christian should be one of them Hall of Fame guys, I think, just because of what he did in the tag team world. But, and he's uh, a world champion. He too. was a world champion. They hooked him up with that. You stay in the company long enough, they'll give you one to Mark Henry too. But sorry. So I I like the match here too, Bob's a big <laughs> you and I are big into Goldie and Booker T. This is great yes. times for one them the right here. Best one of the best pairings of random people <laughs> and it, it of all time. Worked. And I kinda wanna know what kind of may I want to work backwards on this one a little okay. bit. Why not, considering how hot the crowd was for for both teams, big big booing on the un, the un Americans. Why not have Booker and Goldust go over here? Big pop if they win. Huge pop. It, it is a big pop if they win. I mean, I, I feel like maybe they they had, you know, they had more plans with the Un-Americans. You know, it was kind of taking off. Like you said, it was about a year away. A year prior was 9-11. Uh, this huge uh, tragedy. Uh, and to have... The, the foreign gimmick is always going to be something that WWE pushes. It's an easy thing to get heat, you know, heel heat on. So they probably had, you know, much bigger plans for the Un-Americans. You know, maybe they maybe they had someone in mind that they were going to add to the stable, like you said, that, that teetering main event guy that could mm-hmm. push them over the top because stables were a big deal back in the day. So 
you know, having them win, I'm not against having them win. Um, it would have been a huge pop if Booker T, Goldust win the tag team titles, but when you have a night filled with, you know, title changes and, mm-hmm. you know, the the face going over, you've got to have those matches where, where the heels we need win. Exactly. That. And that's how I see the that match came about. The the ending of that match came about. Okay. I really like the match because everything that was told, the story that was told, Goldust was isolated for about eighty percent of the match. We're waiting for a hot tag for Booker. He Classic tag team Loved it. Booker Classic. finally gets it, and he just goes off on some folks. And he kind of he has his way. We get some more back and forth stuff. I love the interference. If they're going to do it that way, bring in Test. Test is that out. He's the powerhouse of the group. He's the guy that's going to do things for you. His his running big boot is a top all time for me. So <laughs> not so I, much I, for I, me. I loved it absolutely. So, you were a big Test fan. I now, was. I was now why, for that pop to happen. And, and I'm glad that, that that Test was here because I've been wanting to ask you this. Why all the Test love? Man, I wish I knew the exact answer, Bubs. <laughs> I do. I don't know. I, when I looked at him and when I was probably told by JR when I was young, this kid's got a bunch of potential. Look at him. He goes six foot seven. He's an athletic freak. Plus, he used a pump handle slam and a running big boot. So for a kid who was all about moves at the time, Bubs, <laughs> in this young teenage years of mine, yes, I was all about it. And because he was never a, really a champion at anything, I'm like, that's going to be my guy. He's eventually going to be champion. Okay, that makes sense. Tell, I was going to tell people I've been with him since day one-ish, and I it's rode like, him all the way to the top. But the it. top never came. That's true. So, and I, I, I understand that point because I've had those guys – you know, RVD was one of those guys for me. I'm uh, Jeff Hardy. I'm going to ride these guys to the top. I I've been lucky enough to have my guys like Edge, and, you know, yeah. get get to the top. But you know, I completely see where you're coming from with the with the test love. But yeah. I never saw it. I get it. He's big. He's got a great look. The pump handle slam is a cool move when it's pulled off properly. Yeah. Uh, Snitsky did did a lot of that back in the. Back in 2006, 2007 time frame. Test was able to pump handle slam The Undertaker, and he did it to Rikishi. So I think that is impressive. those are impressive feats. But he can't cut a promo. No. He, nah. He, his matches weren't good. No. I mean, there was a lot against them, working against them. But talking about old school kind of tag team wrestling here, like you said, Goldie was cut off a lot for about 85, 90% of the match. Booker T did get... Uh, a tag, but oh, the ref didn't see it. He didn't see it. Uh, get get out. Uh, get out of here. Poor Goldie. Oh, and they double team him back into the I corner. Know. Boo. And the crowd's just eagerly awaiting. Eagerly, Booker like, T. Booker. so many Booker T chants, bubs. Uh, he finally gets over. Yes, he gets in, hits a double, double scissor kick. On both of them. Loved it. Yes. Uh, spin a Rooney, you know. And the ref, ref taking bumps all over the place. What a good ref bump. He gets hit with the with the the heel kick, spinning heel kick, by Lance Storm. Storm, yeah. Uh, Tess comes in, hits the big boot. One, two, three. Protective and move. It is, and the Un-Americans retain. Unsurprisingly, for me, uh, I Goldie and Booker did win the titles, right? I do think. I was going to ask you that because I remember them. 
being champions individually, obviously, but this time frame was when they were together, so that's yes. deserved. I remember. <laughs> do you remember the whole Goldust being electrocuted angle? Goldust <laughs> being electrocuted. Yes, uh, that was that lasted for a little while, where he he got electrocuted, and then okay. he started stuttering a lot because <laughs> of it. Like he would just <laughs> randomly spaz out because he was electrocuted. You don't remember one, that? One time uh, champions. Yes, they did win. They did Good. win once. Good. The only the only electrocution thing I re- recall was Shane McMahon. So oh, and his testicles. Yes. Goldie, but that sounds hilarious. That sounds like it was. I it was good. It was it was on Raw back when I was deep into Raw, Bubs, uh, before I got into SmackDown. So God, that's what I remember. One of the things I remember most about Goldust and <laughs> Booker T in their pairing. Goldust will never be recognized for how truly great he is and yeah. was. He won't. A he top won't. three gimmick of all time. Of all time. Of all time. Ever in Undertaker, he, he Goldust Kane. Me you know, one for of the, the Undertaker gimmick. He's right there. One, one A. Number one two. A. I, I wouldn't put him at one A. Definitely two. It would be okay, or maybe three because you have Undertaker Kane. I put him and above then Kane. You put him above Kane. I do. Okay, I, but That's... those those are the three, right? So yeah. those other two, fuck. They're the dudes, right? Oh, yeah. Like, Hall of Fames, we're talking multiple championships, world titles, Rumble wins, WrestleMania main events. Goldie, not so much. Is it because his character has held him back? Yes. Absolutely. You can't put that character main eventing anything. No, but because of the the character is what's kept him relevant and in in the picture for so long. Right, but the picture's only so big for him. It extends to well, exactly. Seven it's icy card, title, not ten. His icy title is his limit, and he yeah. was a multi-time icy champion. Um, but that's as, and a multi-time tag team champion. But that's as far as that character Trash. can take you. During the era when they were handing out world title reigns to Christian and Mark Henry, Goldust should have sure as hell no. one as well. Hell no, so absolutely. Not. That's complete. Bullshit. I, you're right. That is complete bullshit. That yeah. that Goldust would get a world title run. He. Okay, but it, Christian deserves it. You're right. Yes. Okay. Yes, I do agree with out of your ass. But I'm not. But listen, I'm not saying that I'm a huge fan of Christian. You know, I'm not a big okay. fan of Christian. But he is way more deserving of a of a world title run than than a gold dust. Maybe Dustin Rhodes. Okay. Dustin Rhodes can be a world champion, That's but not fine. gold I don't dust. Care if they take the gimmick off of him, you know damn well. The roads behind the the paint. I'm talking about. The, I'm time. talking about the character Goldust. Period. Okay. I'm not talking about the man himself. The man himself should have been a WCW champion back in the day. Sure, Christian was as boring as he could have been yes. as a world heavyweight champion. Thank God, Randy took it from him quickly. Quick. Well, the only reason he won the world championship is because Edge retired. Uh, That's it. But it was more. It's more believable for him to be world champion for the month that he was world champion than too long. I I'm not going to argue that point okay. with you. I'm not here to tell you that Christian is is a sure surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. Goldust is. Goldie is. Goldust Thank is. you. Sure. But the character does not lend itself to being a world champion. Would you stop making stupid faces? Look, you got me hot. You got me over here. Yeah, you are mad. Let's. We need. We're gonna move What's on. Big fan of Rob Van Dam, Bubs. Long. Yes, match I here. am. Yes, I am. Long match. Benoit 
defending his IC title against Van Dam. Loved it. Yes, the winner, the winner of this match takes the IC title to their respective shows. Go to your show with it. Bring it over. Stephanie and, and, and Bischoff. Yeah, that's. I was going to mention that as well. That's when we see them in the back doing. They're sitting in the same GM really office. Sexual tension going on Wait. between these two. It's, it's it's odd. It's uncomfortable. I hated it. I, the cutscenes are Bischoff weird. Stephanie so was not creepy. a good actress. I don't know the match though. This is I love mm. Benoit. He really works down yes. in this match quite a bit. And the ending was nice because you didn't necessarily think that Van Dam was going to hit his five star so not so quickly because the match was long at this point. But he just you know he he knocks down he counters um, a suplex off the top rope and we yeah. get into a a five star where he turns his body and that's just one of the best Ooh. moves ever. That He's is so athletic. He was such my, a freak. He was. That's why my recent Follow Friday post had everybody commenting their favorite top rope finisher or signature move, and I put the up five star. the five-star one. It happened to be where he missed it, but it was a great-looking five-star. <laughs> he, so, he puts so much torque, and it's weird to say. That's a weird weird thing to say. Like He put a lot of torque into a top rope move, mm-hmm. but the impact that Rob Van Dam would get or would make you feel when he hit – the five star frog splash because he would sell that it hurt it hurt mm-hmm. him he was more as hurt. much as yeah. yeah and you know it's the to me it's the best frog splash Eddie's Eddie's was more I guess I don't I don't know what the right word to say about Eddie's was it, it was very quick and yes it, uh, it happened fast the limited impact because he doesn't have the body frame necessarily to support a move like that that you'd want to see, but it's just differently. It's hit differently from Van Dam because Van Dam launches himself straight up first. It seems like, and then he and shoots himself straight up after he lands. Yeah. Like he goes flying through the air after he lands it. I really enjoyed this match for the match work. This one was almost right up there with the entertainment value that I got out of Curtain Ray Mysterio from the beginning right. because. I love watching Benoit do his technical stuff, especially to beat down a guy like a Van Dam. Where Van Dam's, he's he was so good as a face. Never yes. liked the heel Van Dam. Never liked an ECW version of of Rob Van Dam. So to see these two clashing, to see Benoit continuing to keep Van Dam Dam down, he keeps coming back. He even uses the cross face on Benoit, which a lot of people used against Benoit to get a nice pop. I always like that when people counter different submission moves. It's nice to see. But Van Dam's educated feet, bubs. Love that. The educated feet that of Rob Van Dam from Battle Creek, Michigan. I am, and oh my God, you happen, you're making my next point for me, real quick, bubs. <laughs> What's so real that? quick, do you, let's let's have this. It's a little bit of a sidebar, so I'm sorry if it's going to take us off point for a second. But uh, yeah, because we never do sidebars. You're, you're right. We don't get show. lost. <laughs> we're, we're about to get lost. So you know how much useless information. Guys like you and I have, or wrestling fans that know things about wrestling that are just irrelevant. So every as everybody came out the second time I rewatched SummerSlam, I was calling out all of their places where they're billed to be from, all their places where they were born, right? And even most yes. of their weights I've known for the majority of their career if they didn't change them when the announcers right. read them out, right? You could, if I named off ten wrestlers right now, you you could probably get eight of them and tell me the, where their build location was from when they're announced. Most you know how likely, useless yeah. that is. It's absolutely useless. There's no reason to know any of that no. information. Like, why do I need to know that 
you know, Chris Benoit born in, insert this Canadian. Montreal. He was born in Montreal, right, yes. But he's built but in now, he Yes, but he's now residing in Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta. Bubs. <laughs> so. Well, let's go, through, let's go through the card real quick, Bubs. All right, Kurt Angle, no. go. Where's Kurt Angle from? Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. All right, Ric Flair. Ric Flair is from Charlotte, North Carolina. Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho is from Edmonton, Manitoba, Canada. Oh, he's from Winnipeg, you Winnipeg, idiot. you idiot. That's what I... <laughs> Go back to Toronto. Oh, I'm from Winnipeg. Eddie Guerrero. Uh, Eddie Guerrero, El Paso, Texas. El Paso, Texas, that's yes. right. Um, Booker T. Booker T is from Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. Rob Van Dam. Battle Creek, Michigan. Battle Creek, Michigan. Uh, <laughs> bi- biker Undertaker. Oh, that was Houston, Texas, also. Houston, Texas, yes. Shawn Michaels. Oh, San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, Brock Lesnar. Oh, hold on. Some, Say it. What, Minnesota? Which city? Minneap- no, nah, not Minneapolis. Minneapolis, uh, Bubs. It was Minneapolis. Minneapolis okay. and The Rock. The Rock is from Miami, Florida, Bubs. Useless information <laughs> that we just happen to know. Like almost anybody that you think of, I always somehow it just jumps in my head like they're what it sounds like to hear them being announced. Yes. And where they're from and their build weight. The Undertaker coming out at 326. And I was going to say 326. And, and Jim Ross telling me he's 6'10 and a half. And I'm like, yes. that's useless for me. <laughs> I had to get it out, Bubs. I wanted to make it a topic because as wrestling fans, we pay attention to some <laughs> obscure shit. Yes. It doesn't matter where people are from. No, it, it really doesn't. But it adds to uh, it adds a value when they're you know wrestling in their hometown, wrestling in their home state. Yes. That's when a lot of that stuff comes out. But over the years, you, you know, we've seen two hundred or plus different. How many wrestlers are two hundred twenty five pounds, Bubs? Literally know. dozens. Hover around that two hundred twenty five pound mark, Chris Jericho. Yeah. 225 pounds. I'm sure Chris Benoit, 225 pounds. Yeah. You know, it, I, I love, I always love the arbitrary numbers that WWE would attach to these guys. 229, uh, three, 300, 320, 326 yeah. for The Undertaker. I don't know where they got That's what he weighed in you know, today. that number. Yeah. They, they weigh him in that day. You know, okay, he, he, got, to, he got to the arena. Here's the scale. Let's go yeah. ahead and step on it. Uh, it's it's unfortunate that they never had a scale big enough for Crash Holly, ever, ever, because he was never. well, well, because that's the thing. He was the scales probably went up to four hundred pounds, but over that, yeah. he it would just keep spinning when he yeah. when he got on it. So he and, was well over. Buzz, we're sidebarring hard. We are right now. And we, well, I'll, I'll end it with this: Which idiot actually believed that the Big Show was five hundred plus? I did when I was little. Absolutely. He was seven feet tall, 500 pounds. 500 pounds when he was probably in the low fours, maybe the high threes. Well, there was a couple moments in his career where you were like, yeah, that dude's that that. dude's 500 pounds. He's floating 500 easy. Sorry, bubs. We got through that, though. Benoit, he loses his title here. He does because the Intercontinental title belongs on Raw, bubs. The IC title is a Raw staple. Okay. And because of that, we get the U.S. title. Ooh, everyone loves the U.S. title, right? Well, it doesn't do well. It doesn't. It really doesn't ever. We do get it because we have to create this equality across brands, which is okay. 
but the the U.S. title, not what it was back in its heyday. It's I mean, been held by everybody. To me, the greatest WWE U.S. champion of all time from multiple reigns. John Bradshaw and, Layfield. N- no, the other John. John Chena, Bubs. <laughs> no. Bubs. No. His 2015 run with okay. the U.S. Open Challenge was yep. phenomenal. When he took the title uh, off of the big show at WrestleMania 20, WrestleMania. that was a good run. Led sure. to his WWE Championship. Okay. I mean, in my opinion, John Cena, one of the best, the best WWE U.S. champion of all time. Other, other, then you know where I'm going with this. Where are you going with it? Do I have to hear it? Santino Marella. Oh, God. Remember when they pulled him out of the crowd, Bubs? Yes. And raise your hand if you believe that he was really Italian and pulled out of the crowd. Right here. Hands up, hands up really high until he Ooh. took his shirt off and he was yoked. And oh, yoked a, out of his an mind. amazing back tattoo and all kinds of crap. And I'm like, that's, <laughs> I don't know. Is, is Turns he out he's super Canadian. I think he's pretty Canadian. Yeah. It's very Canadian. And then but, he beats Umaga. But... He did with Bobby Lashley's help. And Lashley was way more over than I remember because I went back and watched some, some older Raws and Lashley was a little more over than I remember him being. He wasn't over with this guy, no. but he, he was over with the crowd. Bubs, anything else to say on the Benoit Van Damme? Oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're talking SummerSlam 2002. We've, we've gone away from the match. I've, I've hit my points on that one, though. Yes. Um, okay. I really don't have much to add. It was a, another good match, great yeah, match. Sure was. Uh, two really good in-ring workers. Of course, you're going to have a good match out of it. It's yep. hard to keep talking about all these matches and because they were all just really good. It was solid from top to bottom. I'm going to say this the entire time. Mm-hmm. And even this next match, uh, this is going to this would have to be your lowest ranked match for the card, but you're it still going to watch it because it gets it gets pretty good. You it, it's nice to see that Test gets the ability to put his work <laughs> in on a guy like the Undertaker. Yes, you're because right. Because there were people that were trying to Your push boy. the guy, and they put him in a stable, and he's you know somewhat leading the stable, being the big man, and he draws the Undertaker at a SummerSlam, bubs. That's a pretty big yes. thing. And the match was okay. It wasn't longer than it should have been. It wasn't. It was serviceable. De- definitely serviceable. We saw some nice stuff. Um, oh, this. Get your shit together over there. Oh, uh, I can I'm drinking. <laughs> this match was really set up. <laughs> So the Undertaker could wave an American flag at the end of it, yes. get people feeling pretty good, get him over the Un-Americans winning two matches prior to get Tess some love. But ultimately, let's see the choke slam. Let's see the tombstone instead of the last yes, ride. Yes, a really and good tombstone. Nice I like tombstone. that. He didn't want a last ride test. Would have nice, wouldn't like to have seen that. But um, I like that. That would have hurt the back. I assume yeah, someone big, as big, big as Tess. Up there. But he's done it to Rikishi. Yeah. I don't know. True. So Maybe it's I, a height thing. I didn't like, um, I didn't love the match, I'll say, but, oh, is that, we're going to talk about that in a second? (laughs) Uh, Moving on. What'd you you like about the match, though, Bubs? Anything Uh, of note? Like I've said before, Undertaker, he's kind of got a reputation of being able to get kind of the best out of some of the bigger guys Mm. than you typically would see out of them. I mean, other than Giant Gonzalez, uh, Undertaker has been able to get kind of 
it wasn't meant to be. People that hover around that six, seven, and taller <laughs> frame, Undertaker does a pretty good job of getting the best out of them. He did it with Psycho Sid. I've mentioned this before. Um, he did it with Kevin Nash or Diesel back in the day. And he, he did it here with Test. I don't think the outcome was ever in question. I don't know if you ever thought watching that match that Test might pull this out. Because I never did. Once. No. Um, but, you know, talking about what I mentioned before with having the Un-Americans win and retain their tag team titles, you know, this was a... You have all these matches where you're popping the crowd with all these face wins yeah. that, you know, that that's why you have the Un-Americans retain because there's so much kind of... So many good guys winning and so much good will. Good will. 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 Yeah, I put some E's in there. You're stupid. Uh, that it, it balances the card out. So Undertaker wins, goes into the crowd, gets an American flag, waves it around. You know, the crowd's going to be hot for that and pop for that. And there's That's the entire reason for this match. It's to you get know, them excited for the next thing that's about to be huge, I think. It's to really to get them over any mediocrity they could be feeling because they need yes. the crowd to be pumped for Shawn Michaels' music, which is about to hit, and all of his pyro. It, yes. Lots of pyro for Shawn Michaels. Um, before we jump into that, Undertaker test, serviceable. That's what I give it. Do you, okay. do you give it anything more than, than that? No. Serviceable is a good word. I would watch it again even just because I liked the way that they meshed together. It was nice. Okay. But yes, the next match, bubs, and it got the... To me, the, the best hype package okay. of all the matches. Uh, it got the best build of all the matches on this card. And from start to finish, it was the... Would you say this was the hottest crowd for, for the entire show? Like, this match had the crowd in its hands from start to finish. Uh, certainly for that, but the ending of Brock and Rock had them probably just as oh, loud for a shorter moment. You're right. You're right. But uh, yes. we we or from start to finish, this. I'm talking about the entirety. Oh, yeah. of the match. They were hot for this one because of the story. The story, the story should have been better than the match. However, the match became better than the story. I think because it mm. was so good. This was. I don't know how long it was. It had to be 30 minutes. It was it was, it was the longest match by far of okay. the entire oh, show. Sure. It was 40 minutes, bubs. No, it wasn't that long. It was a long match. I'm going to... Okay. You start talking, I'm going to look it up. Good. It was near that 30-minute mark. Had to be. So, we've talked about this one before, because this was one of your top three matches of it all is. time. We have done that podcast. We have done this match. We both marked for it, because the story leading into it, and the story that we expected to come during it, was supposed to be five-star greatness-worthy, and that's exactly yes. what it was. It was. So when I was 12, I remember, you know, the feud. I remember Triple H turning. I remember, you know, being all over Shawn Michaels' side and being, you know, anti-Triple H as I was for a lot of my career as I am now. 28 minutes. 28 minutes, dear God. That's a long Pretty long, long. yep. Especially for a guy that had been out of wrestling for four years. He could have gone another 30 minutes. He could have. It was, He's a, just it was that Sean Michaels. That and I loved I loved how, of course, they, they make it unsanctioned. That adds this little nuance, right, to it that 
well, whatever they do, we're not financially responsible. They've both had to sign waivers saying that <laughs> you know the WWE is not held responsible for anything. Yes, just... but there's so much animosity between these two that that you know they want to rip each other's throat. Triple H multiple times said he's going to cripple Shawn he's, Michaels. He's in a wheelchair his ass, right? Yeah, that, that's a little foreshadowy there. <laughs> a little, little bit of foreshadowy. I liked it, <laughs> but Bubs, this this match is great. Right, it's it's one of those great matches that Sean has had, that Triple H has had, that's been ever done in the WWE. This is one of those. The ending, we talked about this before. I think I asked you specifically when we did the the top three matches. Are were you okay with a roll up victory for Shawn Michaels, or would you have rather had him seen hit that sweet chin music at the end and put a little stamp on this thing? If you listen to the crowd, Bubs, when he goes for that sweet chin music in the final sequence, the crowd is – they want it to happen. Mm-hmm. They even make the noise like as soon as his – Triple H grabs his foot, you hear everyone go, yeah, oh. <sighs> and he puts him in the pedigree position and they're just like, ah. But then he Damn counters. It. He counters into the roll-up and the crowd gets hot for it. I think the roll-up, in retrospect now, now that I've watched it, you know, three or four times leading in the lead up to this show that I think it was the right finish. Yes. Having him hit the sweet chin music would have just sent, sent your nostalgia boner to the moon. Right. And everyone would have been hot for it, but having that roll up happen, it keeps everyone strong. No one has to put any finishing move over. And this was always supposed to be, a one-off match for Shawn Michaels. This was supposed to be the, can he still do it? And mm-hmm. if he can still do it, then we can, you know, maybe talk future with him. So you can't have Triple H just go down to the Sweet Chin music if this is going to be Shawn Michaels' final match. Of course, he has the match. It's a fantastic match. They go backstage, and he's like, hey, I can, I can, I think I can do this. Yeah. I think I can come back and do this, but. You can't have Triple H lose to someone who's just going to ride off into the sunset with it, you know, with that guy's finishing move. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's going to hurt your your top guy. Triple H is the top guy, you know, in in the entire company. And you have your brand split. Triple H is going to be the guy on Raw. So I think having him win the way that he did was the right move. Okay. And we eventually, this of course leads down the road to the Elimination Chamber and we get to see Shawn Michaels reestablishing himself as a top guy winning a title. So to see a jackknife roll up. His very last title. A jackknife roll up, it it, it threw that extra bit of unknown into the crowd at the end because we had them ready to to hit the sweet chin music. It gets countered. We get a pedigree. Oh, but wait, we get another roll up. It just kept playing with the emotions, which I really liked all the way down. Which you end. saw a lot of in the main event, which we'll get sure, into. Right, that one had some counters too. Yeah. So we, there's just so much about this match, Bubs. Yeah. Thankfully, we have talked about it before, so we don't have to go into the details. Well, I'm going to go ahead and go into the details. I'm glad, I'm sure I'm glad you, you, sure you have some, up. as do I. So because I know that with the main event, I'm just going to let you take that one and kind of oh. run with it because that's the rocks your guy. So okay. that was you know you're you're very hyped for the main event. Okay. This is this is my main event for SummerSlam. <laughs> so you have to remember what makes this match so important and what makes it 
kind of a tick better than what it would have been maybe if this match took place two or three years later, is that this is the return of Shawn Michaels. He hasn't wrestled in four years, technically. He hasn't wrestled in WWE for four years. You know, you can find a video of him, you know, on on the indie scene that really trash, and it's not. But it's his big return. It's his one-off match. So to for him to be able to do the things that he does in this match, the table spot that they have, uh, the the selling that he did, you know, the the everything about this match made you go, this guy's coming back, right? Like this can't be his one and only. Like uh, he has he lost a step? I, there there were a couple moments where you're like, oh, yeah, there's some rust kind of coming off, but. You watch it and you're just like, this is the same Shawn Michaels I remember watching four years ago. This is the same Shawn Michaels that was running the main event, you know, five years ago. And just everything, everything came together and created this beautiful imagery. Just what a story that was told. Two former best friends now bitter rivals one wants to cripple the other the other wants to kind of bring bring the other back from the dark side and it just led to a beautiful painting being beautiful i know beautiful (laughs) picture being painted in the ring by two of the best of all time to ever be in ring technicians and it just from start to finish everything all the colors matched perfectly. All the paint strokes were masterfully done, and just you had. I, I see. I see the faces that you're making, but you're there's so a, extra with it. I love I it. I know. But this there's a reason this match is on my top three matches of all okay. time, and the extra extra bit of storytelling that took place after the match happened with Triple H taking a sledgehammer and whew. Those sledgehammer shots looked nice stiff. And deep and oh, real in there on that lower back. I re- I remember a 12-year-old, 13-year-old me being very upset about this happening. Damn it, Triple H. I oh I hated Triple H already, but mm-hmm. this just it took this this is what took me to the next level of my hate for Triple H. And I watched Raw every single week after this just to see Triple H get his comeuppance. Bubs, the best part of this entire match, of all the crap that you just mentioned... It's not crap. It's not. But the best part is the isolation of Sean's lower back. Yes. That's the absolute best part of this match, because he takes several moves to the lower back. He takes chair shots when he was caught up in the great sidewalk slam. He takes a backbreaker sidewalk slam through the seat of a chair. And then, (sighs) after all that, right, we get through a point, and then he, he kips up. And he's dancing around the ring. And the fucking arena is exploding. It erupts. With the love. It erupts. It's, it's craziness of how he can hold you in the palm of his hand. And he's how always this, been this able match, to do that. This match allowed him to get to that point. And even it, it shows at the end, of course, with him winning, how excited everyone was to see it. So the story is one thing that, that led into it. But the, the, the continued efforts of Triple H to try to cripple him and put him in that wheelchair 
in this in the match itself for 30 minutes made me go wow. damn this shit's really good it's so good and that and that led to their prolonged feud over the world heavyweight championship which which lasted for close to a year that was a good feud it was so good and now go back and listen to our episode on our top three favorite matches of all time to hear more about hear hear me mark out more yep. about this match. I've I've already talked a lot about it. There's not much more I can say other than just it, it was a masterpiece. Chris Masters? Uh, uh no. Oh no. He was Sorry. you want to talk about potential people we thought had potential bubs. Ah, that was a guy that well, we've been wrong before because six months ago we're like, yeah, before. big cast is gonna we be. We literally on this show talked about main event WrestleMania 2019. Big Cass <laughs> versus Drew McIntyre. We called oh, it. We did, and we were we so sat, dumb. We sat here a year ago or something, and we agreed that within two to three to four years, Cass is going to main event WrestleMania. <laughs> and he was going to be the guy. He was going to be the guy. He was going to be everything that Test wasn't. Yeah. We, man, Bub, sometimes, sometimes we just got to say we were wrong. but And we... How, we're wrong. How important is the WWE system, though, Bubs? Bubs, I sent you that picture, and you know you are you'd seen it, but and I'm sure everyone ago. listening to this has has seen this picture circulating already of Cass and his his 90 day no compete is is done, and he spent those 90 days getting into some kind of shape, but it's yeah, not it's <laughs> more round. Shape than anything. He has done the opposite of what Drew McIntyre did when Drew McIntyre left WWE. Complete opposite. Drew McIntyre said, "Yeah, I fucked up in WWE. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make the most of this. I'm gonna go be a an amazing champion now." Yeah, and Cass has done the complete Ugh. opposite. And he used to slay Carmella. Mm. He did. Well, now Ellsworth is. <laughs> No, he's not. Absolutely not. That Bubs. Toothless. Bubs. Main anyway, yes, time. Bubs. Main, main event. event. SummerSlam 2002. We've what got a main event. Championship. What a way to cap the night because you just saw one of the greatest matches of all time. Now you got to defend yes. your big title. And in cases like this, this match can get lost because you just see Damn. something huge go on right beforehand that can easily outdo or be bigger than your world title or your WWE championship or your the WrestleMania, what was it, 19? Rockin', rockin', rockin, rockin Hogan, Hogan at 18. Completely yeah. ruining Chris Jericho and Did, Triple, Triple H. H. Yep. So, no yeah. Shot. Here's another example of what that could have been, but it didn't happen like that because a couple reasons. Because, one, Brock really was the next big thing. He has ascended so quick since he debuted. He won King of the Ring before yes. this. The Rock, who had been the People's Champion for a good while, his face run was very well established now in 2002. He was going to go off to Hollywood for a good amount of time for a hiatus. Yes. And kayfabe was done, so we all knew about it. The internet had told us. Magazines had told us. So now the smart fan is going to start to boo The Rock, even though he's still yes. a face, technically. So with all that outside stuff... Lingering, we have The Rock defending the Undisputed Championship against Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman. 
Yes, and Brock Lesnar earned this spot by winning King of the Ring, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, and The Rock had just won the title. Just won a vengeance. That's right. Yeah. In a, in a great, what was it, a triple threat with him, threat Undertaker, and Kurt Angle? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, the writing was on the wall. The Rock was leaving for Hollywood, and yes, he was the face. He was the Rock. He was the great one. He was the people's champ. Everything you can say about him, but wrestling fans are kind of petty. If you're gonna, and if you're gonna leave us, we're we're not gonna take that too kindly. No, we're gonna we're gonna get upset, and you know we're gonna even tell you tell tell you about it because we have opinions and stuff like that. That happens all the time, and I'm I'm kind of curious. I want to talk about this because. It seemed like everything was set up to get Brock into the right place, right? Yes. So, a month before this, at Vengeance, The Undertaker was the Undisputed Champion. Now, is Which was a great reason? run. I love The Undertaker Undisputed Championship run. It was very good. Now, I want to kind of put it in this perspective. Why could they not have made The Undertaker still champion here and have Brock beat him clean? Is that not a believable thing? Or was The Rock really that much of a bigger star? Because I think he was than The Undertaker. So it means more to have a Brock go over Rock than Brock going over The Undertaker for this championship. I think a lot of it has to do with the circumstances of what was about to happen. So yes, either way, having Brock beat either The Undertaker or The Rock would make... Would make Brock. It makes it, absolutely. It doesn't matter. Absolutely. But, you know, The Undertaker's going to remain on the roster as a full-time wrestler. So maybe you don't want him to take that loss. Okay. You know, maybe he wasn't willing to put over someone as young as Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. And you have someone like The Rock that's like, hey, I'm going to Hollywood. You know, I'm leaving. Yeah. Someone who is leaving does the job. On your way out, you do the job. That's how the wrestling business works. So it makes a lot – even with Kurt Angle, it could have been Kurt Angle. It didn't matter you know, who goes into that match with Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is going to be a made man afterwards. But it makes more sense to have it with The Rock because, one, The Rock is – you know, like you said, he's a bigger star than The Undertaker. Hate to say that, but it's true. The Rock is just an infinitely bigger star than almost anybody to, that has ever been in the wrestling business. Right. So having someone like Brock go over The Rock is a big deal. And The Rock's going to Hollywood. He's going to be gone for a while. Who cares? It's a big, you know, mm-hmm. let him do the job on his way out. It it made the perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And with Paul Heyman being as heelish as he was, his heelish-type tendencies, especially in New York, they get a lot of cheers because he's from New York, yes. right? He did a lot of ECW work in New York, and this becomes one of those times where Brock and Paul Heyman, they were heel, but they come into a match like this, and people just... It's its partially because they started to boo The Rock because they knew he was leaving, but regardless of what Brock was doing, they started to cheer the guy because Brock yes. was simply good. He looked great in 2002. He was amazing in the ring. He was a monster. He was. He He was the beast. A a powerhouse technician. That's a rare thing to really be. Imagine Kurt Angle, but about five inches taller and about 60 pounds heavier. At least 60 pounds, right? Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's what you're getting here. You're getting a guy who's world-class wrestler technician, whose bodybuilder type physique is just ridiculous. 
So at this time, at this time, he was he was going to be the guy. So I love the decision, but it took me two times watching it this week to finally realize that, damn, the crowd had turned on the Rock. They did. And they start. There was Rocky sucks from the beginning. There was let's go Lesnar throughout a little bit. There was Brock. 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 So many different. The and the mood was set. The fans knew what was coming, yeah. and they wanted it. They wanted Brock. They weren't rejecting Brock like we've rejected, you know, Roman. Mm-hmm. You know, it was set in place. Look, Brock's the next guy. WWE's pushing him as the next guy. And the fans were like, okay, give him to us. We want him. We want to embrace this guy. He's a freak, and he he's the next big thing. Okay, we're in. We're all in. Interesting push for him because he hadn't won any other title prior to that, right? He had no singles uh, titles. No, no, nope. no tag titles Straight whatsoever. To the top. So he was a brand new. He was still fresh in a way because he had not. This was his rookie much. year, I believe. He, he'd been. I think he'd just come out of a year into it. Okay. So it doesn't matter. Not long at all. It doesn't matter if he's two or three years in. He hadn't done anything yet. So he's the brand new face that people want to see that they haven't really been exposed to a lot. And everything that they are exposed to is pure dominance. It's triple power bombs on Spike Dudley oh, or Jeff Hardy. God. It's F5s that look amazing because people the were selling power. them right. I know. So he was just a, a rare breed because he hadn't been seen before. He hadn't won any other titles. They're like, you know what? We're going to take this guy. We're going to make him the king of the ring. He's going to destroy everybody in his path. And then we're going to make him uh, the youngest champion in the company's history. Yes. Okay. Well, we want that, says the crowd. <laughs> we did. And, and we they absolutely built a, did. They built a scenario to support all of that in a very short amount of time. They made The Rock the champion so that it looks like he's going over a huge star in The Rock. And the match was good. Him and The Rock looked amazing in it. And the crowd, I'd say that was a great match. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Is that all you got? I got a lot more to say, yeah? but I mean... Okay, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you took me off my... I trained yeah, I'm sorry, I'll, 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 I'll stop talking. Stuff. You keep going. Yeah, you're an idiot. But anyway, that's stupid. When the when the crowd starts doing their their heel stuff towards the Rock, he kind of gives it back a little bit. He starts jawing at him a little bit. He's you know yes. doing his his animated points and stuff when he's doing his moves. He understands the crowd, Bubs. That's he, that's one of the oh, best things about the Rock. He knows it right, and it's unfortunate. I told you this earlier. They don't air his promo that he cuts after the match because. Brock leaves and it goes dark, of course, and you can it's on YouTube. But The Rock cuts a heel promo on everyone in New York. Obviously, he's leaving to go do movies and such, and that's what sets up his heel run when he returns as Hollywood Rock, which is not too bad. A lot of people like it. I personally hate it. I loved it. Face I, thought it was, I thought it was. I thought you're all game. about it. I, I don't like it one bit. I don't even <laughs> want to talk about it. But he sets it up nicely, and that's The Rock. He, I mean, he had the freedom to do that. Obviously, he could tell. Um, I forget who the ref was in that match, but he can tell him, hey, I'm getting a mic right after this. Give me a mic, and I'm going to cut something. Make sure the cameras are off. And he relays that information, and the cameras are cut, and The Rock is sitting there cutting a promo in front of the, where were they? Long Island, right? Long Island, Long Island yes. crowd, doing his thing. So I know you want to talk about the sequence at the end. So I, I do. That's, that's kind of where I'm going to let you follow okay. here. That, um... Uh... The, the match itself, the entirety of the match was good to great. It was a great match in my opinion. Uh, the best part of the match was that ending sequence. Yeah, throughout the match you had the dynamic of 
Paul Heyman on the outside of the ring, you know, tripping the rock a bunch and, you know, cutting him off. But that ending sequence, Bubs, when, when the rock goes for the rock bottom, he hits the uh, spine buster. And this is when usually the crowd pops. It's like, oh, yeah, here comes the, the most electrifying move in sports entertainment. But as soon as he hits the spine buster, booze start raining down oh. on the rock. You know, he, he, he does the whole elbow pad thing, throws it in the crowd, and then rock po- or Brock pops up, and the crowd eats it. <sighs> uh, oh, the crowd loves it. Because they thought he was hitting F5 right away. I thought he was going to I thought he was gonna hit the F5, but no, it just keeps going. Clothesline, bubs, uh, counters to – he goes for the F5, and the rock counters it. And the rock was always really good at – at countering kind of finishing moves. You know, he doesn't get enough credit for some of the... his The finishes to Rock matches are so good. They are. You know, whether he's taking the, the finisher, the, the, st- the best stunner taker of all time, uh, but just th- that entire sequence, the the counters to, to finishing moves, to, uh, two Rock bottoms get countered, and then when he finally hits the F5 and the crowd erupts... One, two, three. The crowd goes insane. They they got their man and, and they pan around the crowd and you just see everyone just erupting in cheers. And that doesn't happen now. No, <laughs> that would not happen nowadays. If if WWE was like, look, and they've done it, they did it with Roman. Like, look, this is this is the guy going forward. You know, get behind him. Let's go. Let's do this thing. And the crowd's like, nah, fuck you, man. That's that's not our guy. Bring San- We'd rather bring Santino back and give him a world <laughs> championship. You know, we'll pop for that. But but uh, the crowd was into it. They wanted Brock. They were like, okay, Rock's going to leave us. That's fine because we're getting Brock. And this guy's going to be around for years to come. He, he's going to be our champ forever. Yeah. I mean, that didn't happen, but... Didn't. He, did, what, he did well for a while, though. He did. And that's kind of what, what the fans were like. Okay, Rock's going to leave us. We've got Brock, and we can hold hold on to Brock for, for so long. And unfortunately, that, that's not how it happened. But that's, that's, that's how we felt as fans. And, you know, you can feel the electricity mm-hmm. in that arena. You can feel the love that Brock was getting and just the the not the hate that rock was getting but it was kind of like an apathy like hey he's leaving us you know he rather hollywood than than us us the the wrestling fans yeah you know he he doesn't care about us because he's gonna go and make millions of dollars doing movies so you know fuck that we want brock because because brock's the wrestler brock's for us he's not gonna go to hollywood he's not gonna he's not gonna leave wrestling for, for bigger money someplace else. Yeah, like football or UFC. Yeah. yeah. So, or the IWGP heavyweight title. <laughs> so, <sighs> yeah. Uh, so that's kind of how the crowd felt. And the electricity was just, it was palpable. You could, you could taste it. You could feel the goosebumps rising, the hair standing up on your arms. Mm-hmm. And it was a great way to end an amazing pay-per-view. It was the best match to put on at the end. The whole card construction was very well done. Loved all of it. And to have an ending like that, where 
everybody essentially now is going home happy because even if they weren't about Brock, they got to see The Rock put on his best stuff. They got to see Brock put on his great moveset. If they didn't like any of that, they had Triple H and Shawn Michaels for 45 minutes before that, right? Yes. So they got everything that they wanted, and there was a lot of stuff in this card for everybody to see. That's why this one easily is the best SummerSlam card ever, I think. Nothing competes it, and the way it ends is amazing. The last two matches, that's a... Man, Bubs, God, match seven and eight. Like, that's hard to beat on any card. Yes. Honestly. Either one of those two could have been the main event. And right. then before that, you get – there was no filler. There was absolutely no filler matches throughout the entire the entirety of the pay-per-view. Even Undertaker and Test, that's the Undertaker. So your last three matches are – let me reel off these names for you. Undertaker. Shawn Michaels, Triple H, The Rock, and Brock Lesnar. I'm watching all of them. Yes. I mean, sure, I left out one other person, but he can he can stay off that list. Anyway, to end a pay-per-view with those five people in the ring, that just shows just how strong this roster was at this yeah. time. And like I said, Bubs, 15 out of 18 are world champions. So that's a ridiculous stat. Three people on this stat. card are not world champions. That's ridiculous. It means they're all going to put on good stuff or they're and all relevant the, enough that we're going to watch. The amount of world champions, world championships on this card, you have... That's stupid, too. You have Ric Flair, 16. Mm-hmm. The Rock, 8? 9? Mm-hmm. Something eight, like think. that? 8? Because he, he won one more after that. He was a seven-time world champion. Mm. And then... Because he held the record for, for WWE championships at this point. He had seven... And he won it again from uh, CM Punk. Uh, anyway, 11 for Edge. 14 for Triple H? 15? Uh, 13 or 14 for him, yeah. I think it's 14, okay. Um, let's see. who uh, Rey Mysterio, too. Undertaker. Uh, he's got... Eddie Guerrero. Chris Benoit. Yeah. Van Damme. Mm-hmm. Van Damme is... Oh, God, remember that? Yep, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, Cena wins. We riot. But this well, match didn't this, win. Thank God. Thank God. I I almost wish he would have won. Just to see just what to see, would have done. It would have been chaos, absolute yeah. anarchy. Um, anarchy rules. A really terrible ECW game for the PS. Atrocious. <laughs> but this card is absolutely stacked. The roster at this point is absolutely stacked, and that's why they that's why they needed the brand split. Because you had so many top guys. If you don't have the brand split, you just have one set of championships. Yeah. Look at all the guys that you have to try to give TV time to. Think about the people they left off the card, though. Hogan isn't on the card. Big the Show Hardys aren't on the card. on the card. I'm surprised Hulk Hogan didn't make it. Um, Cena, <laughs> though, I, I remember. William Regal we've mentioned a couple times, right? So there's at least a handful of names right there that were relevant at the time that just they didn't have time to put in because the top (laughs) look at the crop was here it it doesn't make sense just how stacked this roster was and just how stacked that's something we haven't talked about i feel like that's something that we need to kind of delve into at a later time is the at what point in time in wwe history was the roster the strongest and oh man this makes a strong case for that, because Stone Cold wasn't stuff. retired at the time, right? No, was, it was that uh, next. It was that next WrestleMania, right? 
Yeah, he re- he was done after WrestleMania 19. Yes. So yeah, it'd be in the summer, or S- a- after this one. So yeah. So this roster was so strong, hmm. so good, and this card proves it. I mean, WWE hit a home run. I don't know if they did it just based off a of skill or just blind luck, but this card hit on all cylinders and from start to finish, which is something I've said a lot during this show. You have. From start to finish, this was an A. I mean, what grade would you give this? I give this personally an A. I don't think it's an A, but it's definitely an A teetering on an A. Maybe one of the best pay-per-views that WWE ever put together. This is literally one of the best pay-per-views they've ever done, let alone this being a best SummerSlam. This is up there with some of the best stuff that they've done, and it's hard not to call it an A-plus from from my angle, but I'm going to stick with the the A on it if we're going to do that. I want to say A-plus as well, but there is a little... some differences that I would have had done that would have made it better in my opinion, but... Yeah, like not have... So much un-Americans. A little cover. less un-Americans. <laughs> Get them out. Don't interrupt my Tess and Undertaker match. Yeah. Over all the bubs, I loved it. Loved it all. Yeah, absolutely. This was an amazing pay-per-view. This was an amazing show. WWE at this time was at its best. And I can't say anything else other than by far the best show of that year one of the best pay-per-views of all time and definitely the best SummerSlam of all time. So, with all that being said, we would love to hear what you guys have to think about SummerSlam 2002. Have you watched it recently? Have you? When was the last time you watched it? We want to hear all that. You can join in the conversation on Twitter, at CAE Wrestling, at Chris B. Quick, at Kenny Oak Sports. You can hit us up on all those Twitter handles. You can also join in the conversation on Facebook. Just search Collar and Elbow Wrestling. You will see us. We will talk to you. We love all of you, and thank you so much for joining us once again on our journey through this crazy world called pro wrestling. We will see you next time. Tell us what you want us to talk about. We're always here listening to our fans. And with our fans together, all of us, we can make wrestling great again. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you next time.